Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So you can say the name of the city, and most people instantly, without any additional information, know what you're talking about. Uh, let me mention some of the cities to you and see if you know. Canton, Ohio, Springfield, Massachusetts, or Cooperstown, New York. Okay, some of y'all are looking at me like, what in the world? So we know you're not a sports fan because uh, these are the locations of the Hall of Fame for football, base, basketball, and baseball. All right, so, so you know that these special places enshrine the heroes that play on fields and courts and people throng to these hallowed halls to pay homage to these great sports heroes that we're all kind of enthralled with. In fact, did you know that all three of those Hall of Fames have right at 200,000 people every year go through their doors to see a glove? to see a helmet, to see a video clip of their hero playing. And so, so it's a big deal for a lot of people. But here's the truth. There are arguments about who should be and who should not be in the Hall of Fame. There, there's this constant dialogue going on. All you got to do is get on the internet and you can find blogs, you can find podcasts, you can watch Sports Center, and there's this continuous argument about who's, who's already in there that shouldn't be or who's not in there that should be, and one in particular that everybody knows about is Pete Rose. Everybody wants to talk about Pete Rose, right? So, so, so they're, they're enshrined in there, and some of us would agree that some of the people in there belong to be in there and some of us would say well I just don't know the jury's still out right so there's this debate so their worthiness is up for debate and a lot of it has to do with this the 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 debates kind of rally around two things lack of stats or lack of character right and there's this constant debate so so uh there's a hall of fame for faith too by the way there is a difference in this Hall of Fame, though, because it's not uh, encapsulated inside a building. It's not in some city somewhere. It's not captured by brick and mortar. It's actually the, the Hall of Fame of Faith is on a page. It is captured in ink. And you know, the, you know where it's at. It's kind of almost uh, as synonymous with, with Hall of Fame as Cooperstown or, or, or Canton. All you got to do is say this. Hebrews chapter 11. And it's the Hall of Fame of Faith. But let's think a minute about the heroes that are recorded there. Because just like the Hall of Fame for football or baseball or basketball, where it enshrines the heroes, the Hall of Fame of Faith does the exact same thing. But let's stop and think for just a moment about who's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. For instance, here's the list. Just a short list. Uh, Abraham. Well, you go, well, he's the father of the faith. Surely he belongs. The only problem is, is that Abraham was a bona fide liar. All right. Okay. So, so then we go on, and then there's Jacob. Uh, Jacob was a professional con man. That's all he knew how to do was lie and cheat and steal. Right. Uh, then you got you got somebody by the name of Moses, and we go, well, Moses, man, he wrote, he he's the one that recorded the Ten Commandments. Surely he, I, I know why he's in there. The deal is, is that Moses was a a murderer. Rahab is in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Rahab was a hooker. 
Okay, y'all looking at me funny this morning. I know y'all lost an hour of sleep, but wake up. We got a hooker in the name of, in the list of the Hall of She lived in the red light district. She was a, pro, she was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. Okay, so, so then you go forward and uh, then Samson's listed. Samson, uh, he was a womanizer. He, he couldn't leave the ladies alone. Uh, plus, plus, he liked to drink stuff he wasn't supposed to drink and touch stuff he wasn't supposed to touch. Okay? Then you got David. Well, David, he's the, I mean, even to this day in Israel, you go everywhere and it's the city of David and the star of David. And everybody talks about David. Only problem is, is that David was an adulterer and a murderer. He doubled down. Right? <laughs> So, so, so there's very little debate about the fact that most of the people included in the Hall of Fame of Faith don't belong there. At least if you go by our standards, they don't belong there. We debate about the fact that we, that we don't even need to debate. There can be no argument that these people, they, they, they're less than what we expected. They don't, in fact, you can say it like this. They, they're not, they don't tend to have stellar character. They weren't perfect they make Pete Rose look like a saint. Right? They didn't always perform up to our expectations. They were just a little sketchy. See where we're going with this? Okay. So why are they in there then? Because if, if you look at the list and you go, well, well, a murderer, a liar, a trickster, a prostitute, a womanizer, an adulterer, why are they even included? How in the world can they even be included in this hall of fame of faith? What sets them apart? And there's a very simple yet complicated answer, and it's this. They were holy. That sounds like a contradiction because they weren't perfect but they were holy. So, so let me back up then because if holiness is what uh, includes them in the hall of fame of faith, then, then let's back up a little bit and let's try to figure out why that is so necessary. Why is it that that is the thing that set them apart? Why is it that that's the thing that includes them? So all you got to do is you got to back up and read. Because very early on, God begins to tell about what would be required of his people. It happens in the Old Testament, but it's repeated in the New Testament. So let me just give you some examples. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44 says this, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. So he's given us the standard. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 45, be holy because I'm holy. You did notice that that was the next verse, right? Verse 44, he says it, then he repeats it. Anytime God repeats something, you better pay attention, right? Leviticus 19.2, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. You, you see, he's repeating it over and over again. And then you can fast forward in the New Testament and Peter gets in on the mix. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, he says this, but now, speaking to believers like us, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. So it is very apparent from Scripture, from just the verses I've read to you, that the demand or the standard that has been placed upon our life that God is calling us to is a level of holiness, not perfection, holiness. That rattles most of us. I don't know if that bothers you any. It bothers me because um, 
Can I be honest with you? I know me. It ought to bother you because most of you know you and you know that there's some sketchiness there. Right? Uh, you, may not, you, may not, you may not be in the class of a Moses or a David or an Abraham, but there's some sketchiness there. And you recognize your own flaws and your own issues and, and your own character issues and the times that you've messed up. And so it makes us a little bit nervous when we start talking about uh, you're supposed to be holy. But can I take you back to the Hall of Fame of Faith for a second? Because the writer recognized that and makes it clear that, that we're supposed to be holy. But I want you to see what he says. He says in, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, he says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So holiness is the qualifying feature of inclusion in the ranks of the hall of fame of faith. So what does that do for me? How, how's that, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we're going to talk about that. But, but I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Because most of the time it's not beneficial, I don't think. It just, it's a preacher trying to impress you with some knowledge that maybe he picked up 30 years ago in Bible college. And that doesn't really help you any. But this morning I need to do this because I think it does help us. It shows us the standard. The, the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament for holiness is the word Kadesh. And here's the definition. I think it helps us because every time that God says in Leviticus, be holy, he's using the word there used as Kadesh. It means this, apart. It means set apart, separate, sacred, otherness, transcendent, and totally other. Well, what, how does that help us? Well, in the New Testament, there are several words used, but most of the time the word used for holiness is the word, a Greek word that is, uh, is, is hagios. And it too means this. It means set apart, revered, sacred, and worthy of veneration. So for a work, let's get a working definition then. If, if holiness is required, if, if God said to the, the, the Old Testament folks and the New Testament folks, and we're in the New Testament side of the category, be holy, then we need a working definition of holiness so we know how to live. Right? So, so for a working definition to live a Hall of Fame worthy life, then here it is. Just real simple. This is not a complicated definition. It's just supposed to help you. And that is this. Holy literally means to be set apart. To be set apart. Now, um, last uh, two weeks ago, as we wrapped up uh, the Six Foot Baby series in the last one, moving uh, from me to we, we talked about, I made a statement to you that we should have shared morals. Y'all remember? And some of y'all looked at me crazy because you'd never heard anybody talk like that. That there should be a, a shared morals and there should be collective ethic built around this body. Everybody with me? Okay. I still believe that with all my heart. I think I can back that up from Scripture. And I think I did back that up from Scripture. But my question then, then is this. What is the collective ethic? If we're going to be bound by a collective, a collective ethic and shared morals, who decides what those morals should be? Because some of you have some moral stances that other people don't have. So who gets to decide? Who gets to make the decision that this is considered holy and that's not considered holy? Are y'all, am I, okay, okay, I just want to make sure. Can I just tell you that has been a debate for centuries? Who gets to decide? Some of y'all want to be on that, on that committee and get to decide right now because there's some things you like to do that you want everybody else to believe is holy. All right? But that has been a debate for centuries. 
So what happens then is, is we've made the standard of holiness either unnecessary or unattainable. And either position is wrong and we make it a mess because we've made it about rules rather than about relationship. Okay, I'm going to try to help you this morning. How many of you, not everybody in here is going to be able to say this, and I recognize it, but those, I just want to make sure I got a few that understand, that lived what I lived, all right? Went through what I went through. How many of you have ever, uh, how many of you grew up in the holiness movement, all right? Okay, about 8, 10, 12, 14 of you. The rest of you, blessings upon you, because we, we went through some stuff, all right? Uh, we, we've experienced some stuff, like, uh, we've made, if you are a part of the holiness movement, in your past, then you recognize that uh, we kind of make it a mess sometimes. Um, have you ever noticed we make it about clotheslines and hemlines? Uh, do you notice? Uh, you say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, my grandmother, who was in the holiness movement, pastored a church in Purcell until she was 101 years old. And on the front door, it said, no joke, in big print, written out on construction poster board, massive, women, no pantsuits allowed. It said it right on the front door. Y'all think I'm joking. That's a reality. All right? But I want you to notice just a couple thoughts, and then I'm going to move on to some stuff that really matters. But I just had to get this off my chest. I need to rant just a minute. Did you ever recognize, or if you grew up in the holiness movement, did you ever notice that it was always harder on the women and more lenient on the men? What's that about? Uh, okay. So I just wanted to see. Um, did you notice that the agreed upon standard of holiness um, also hardly ever addressed the sins we were most comfortable with? So the result was this. Uh, you had a bunch of people ar running around with no makeup and wearing very modest clothing who wouldn't go to the movies but wouldn't pass up a buffet. Come on. I'm just telling you the way it was. Uh, and that's the reason is, is because the standard had very little to do with inward transformation. It only addressed outward comp, uh, 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 conforming. As long as you can look like us, we really don't care whether inside you're struggling. We just want, we need you to look like us so we can say you're holy. All right, so, so holiness became a mess, and it became this um, recipe for a, uh, an argument. It was an argument about legalism versus license. And you say, well, what's that about? Well, what that means then is that we set all these rules up, and we became very legalistic about the rules, and they were most of the time out of reach. Or if we grew up in it, we tend to do this. We have a knee-jerk reaction to the, all, all the restrictions that were put on us. Like, you can't go to the movies. I've never been to a movie. Well, I've been to one movie on our honeymoon. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't mix swim. Couldn't play cards. Don't look at me like that. that I'm just telling you what it was like in, in my, my growing up days. Couldn't wear shorts. Still don't wear shorts because I like you to still have your eyesight. And, and, and all these standards. But then what we, if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the legalistic side of holiness that, that as a knee-jerk response, we will swing the pendulum, pendulum all the way to the other side. And now what we want to do is we want to operate in license and we want to test the limits of grace. What can I get away with? And either position is an absolute misunderstanding 
of holiness. So if we're going to strive to be holy, then I think it's important if we're going to strive to be like God, strive to be, strive to be holy so that we can see God, then we, know, we need to know what the standards really are. So, let me help you. Hmm. All right, are you ready? If we are going to try to live set apart, then this is the truth I need you to hear. We must know the standard to live by the standard. How can you be set apart if you don't know what you're supposed to be set apart from? If you aren't sure, then can I tell you what happens? Whoever has the microphone or whoever has the loudest voice in your life gets to set the standards that you will live by. So, so we've got to understand what the standard really is so that we can live by the actual standard. The biggest issue in our struggle with holiness is that since most of us never read the book, we have no idea what the standards really are. Okay, so um, what happens is this. We're trying to compete in a race without knowing the course of the race. We're trying to win, and we don't even know what really constitutes a win. You say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, a recent LifeWay research study found out this, that 45% of those of us who regularly attend church read the, we, only 45% of us read the Bible more than once a week. Okay, it gets worse. Over 40% of the people attending church on a regular basis read their Bibles occasionally. And that, that occasionally is once or twice a month. And then, check this out. One in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. Never. So in the place of, the, of knowledge of scriptural instructions, what we do is we take the easy, convenient, comfortable road and we allow our culture to become our Christ. When we do this, the result is this. We begin to ask the questions that I, we, we mentioned two weeks ago. We will sit in a body like this and we begin to ask these questions. What can I do and still be saved? Can I go smoke my weed and be saved? Can I sleep around and be saved? Can I go drink and be saved? Can I cuss and be saved? Can I, can I shack up and be saved? What can I get away from, get away with? Because we don't know the standards. What's the limit of grace? Can I make a statement to you this morning that I hope you can handle? The cultural standard... The standard of the world is actually completely irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Martin Luther said this. I want you to hear what he says. This is a powerful statement. He says, be careful not to measure your holiness against someone else's sins. Wow. I'm going to say that again. Be careful not to, to determine... To, or to measure your holiness by other people's sins. Well, I don't sin like they sin. I mean, I, I, I consider myself a Christian and they're doing this, 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 and this. And I'm not doing this. So since I'm not doing what they're doing, I'm holy. But what if what you're doing is against the standard listed in God's word? Then what they're doing doesn't really matter. They're not the standard. The people sitting next to you are not the standard. 
Okay. It doesn't really matter what the world says is right or wrong. Doesn't matter what the Democrats say what was what's right or wrong. Doesn't matter what the Republicans say what what's right or wrong. Does not matter. Doesn't matter what the media says right or wrong. Hollywood doesn't get to weigh on weigh in on what's right or wrong. There's only one standard, and we must know it because if if we allow culture to set the standards, then the standards continually shift. They're going, what's right in the eyes of media this year will be wrong next year. And the next year after that, it'll change again. It shifts back and forth. Listen, holiness is hard enough if you know the standard. I can't deal with having it shift all the time and change all the time and being uncertain all the time. I need to know what is required. But I got some good news for you this morning. The good news is that God's standard never changes. It's always the same. It has been the same since the time it was recorded. And when we're done, it will still be the same. So let's set our course towards holiness based upon the standard of God's Word. So, so, so it's imperative to find out the standard... That so we can be familiar with it so, so that we know how to live. Some of you are saying right now, well, I've looked in the Bible and it doesn't deal with what I'm dealing with so I don't know whether I'm being holy or not. Really. Because what I've discovered is that the Word addresses almost, if not every situation. Okay, I'm on a cherry pick. You say, what does, what does cherry pick mean? It means you just go in and you pick one verse of Scripture and you pull it out and make it say what you want it to say. I'm going to cherry pick. I'm not going to try to make it say what I want it to say. I just want to show you. I could pick a bunch of them. I'm just going to pick one just to give you an example. Because two weeks ago, I read to you out of First Passion. Remember? It was First Corinthians. We called it First Passion. You were supposed to have read First Corinthians slowly on your own, right? So you've probably read this. But I'm going to read it to you again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Listen to what it says, just as an example. Just an example. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Here we go. Those who indulge in sexual sin, or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy, or, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were, you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, so this one passage, I cherry-picked, but I'm just showing you an example. If you've read the standard, you know the standard. But if you don't read the standard, you don't know the standard. So now Hollywood gets to decide what you think's right and what's wrong. Or the loudest politician. Or the loudest, or the loudest misinformed preacher. Or your best friend. But I just cherry-picked one verse of Scripture. And lo and behold, in one verse of Scripture. Look at this. It deals with sexual sin. Consumerism. Where? I didn't see that. Yeah, it talks about idol worship. That's consumerism. I make my car my God. I make the latest pair of jeans that I got to have. Okay. It deals with adultery. It deals with prostitution. It deals with homosexuality. It deals with stealing. It deals with greed. It deals with drunkenness. It deals with abusive behavior. And it deals with cheaters. All in one passage. But if you've never read the passage... How do you know that God said all this stuff is wrong? 
Okay, it's quiet up in here. But then I want you to notice what he does. He says, when we call in the name of Jesus forgiveness from these things, we are made what? Holy. Holy. It puts the standard in black and white, and then it tells us that holiness is on the other side of being set apart from those things. So let's be honest. The reason that most of us fall short in the area of holiness isn't that the standard isn't given. The reason most of us fall short in the area of holiness is because we haven't read it or we don't like it. Because I would prefer to live by society standards. Because society standards say I can do anything I want to do and you can't tell me what to do. And there is no standard. In fact, it's my truth. This is my truth. Bull. This is the truth. This is the truth. If you say that this is true enough that I can accept Christ into my life and make him the Savior and save me from hell, then we got to accept it all as truth and say, then also I should live every day like it says to live. Okay, okay. So, so the lack of knowledge or the lack of willingness to submit to the standard is why we tend to settle for things that are easier. For instance, many of you think you're holy because you come to church on Sunday morning. How in the world does doing something different than your neighbor on Sunday morning, just on Sunday morning, make you different? It doesn't. Okay, so let me help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spell it out for you right here, and then I'm going to move on. This is so plain. This, I mean, anybody understand what I'm about to say? Are you ready? Being set apart is aligning oneself with the standards set by Scripture. That's holiness. See, and I couldn't get no help because we don't like that standard. But that's as easy as I can tell you. When you align yourself with Scripture, you will be holy. Too many of us are arguing with Scripture rather than aligning with it. We want to negotiate with God. It's in black and white and sometimes red. He's not going to change. So, so let me help you. We're going to go one step further than this. So if you align yourself with Scripture, then you will live holy. There's no doubt about it. But you've got to know Scripture. Don't let somebody just say it's in there and you not know. Because there are people that will tell you it's in there. Like, one of the ways to be holy is cleanliness is next to godliness. I know it's in there. No, it's not. But we'll believe it because we don't know. You've got to find it and read it for yourself. Okay. Second, I'm, I'm just trying to help you figure out how to live holy here. Are you ready? This one this one's, sounds easy, but it's not. If you are set apart, in other words, if you're holy, then when people see you, they see Jesus. I need you to ask yourself a question. Ask yourself this question. Am I holy? Go ahead, talk to yourself for a second. Am I holy? Can I help you? If when people see you, they see Jesus, then the answer is yes. But wait. When they see the Jesus of the Bible, not when they see the North American, glamorized, wishy-washy, weirdo Jesus. When people look at you, if they see the Jesus of the Bible, the compassionate, grace-filled, Strong, controversial, 
anti-culture, counter-culture, Jesus. If the answer is that they see that Jesus when they see you, then the answer is yes, you're holy. But newsflash, if when they look at you they don't see that Jesus, then the answer is no. Okay, you say, how do you prove that? Let me show you. How did people recognize Jesus' disciples after Jesus was gone? Oh, I don't know. I just went to the Bible and read it. Because in the New Testament it says that after Jesus was gone, they saw the disciples and they went, they've been with him. That's how they recognize. They've been with him. We see these guys and they're representing or representing Jesus so well, even though he's no longer here visibly that we can see, we recognize they've been with Jesus. So when people look at us, if they could recognize they've been with Jesus, not just on Sunday morning because that doesn't really make us holy to any different than anybody else. They went to the lake. We just happened to go to church. But when they look at us and they see that we live our lives differently, we're living our lives by a different standard, we're following Scripture, and we're representing Jesus well, when they recognize that we've been with Jesus, then what they're really saying about us is they're holy. They're set apart. See, here's the truth from... From the list that I read to you out of First Passion or First Corinthians or any other passage that I would have chosen out of the New Testament because I cherry picked any of those verses. Any there are multiple lists of things that we're not supposed to do as believers. Ever read any of them? Probably not, according to this survey, but I hope you have. Right? There are list after list after list after list. But can I help you this morning? You can keep all the lists and still not be holy. Wait a minute. I don't like that truth. I've been trying to live these lists all my life. But that doesn't mean you're holy. It might mean you're a good person. But that doesn't mean you're holy. What makes us holy is this. According to Scripture, there's only one way to obtain holiness. And this is it. We read it. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So holiness can only be found in Jesus. Our holiness and our ability to meet the standard can only be found in and through Jesus. Jack Hayford says it like this. He says, holiness really doesn't have anything to do with religious things. It has to do with the nature of God invading and pervading our nature. As we spend time with Jesus, we begin to represent Him better. Will we keep the list? Yes, because Jesus kept the lists. But that doesn't make us holy. What makes us holy is we, we are in relationship with Him. And here, oh, catch this. We do these things. We, we don't sleep around. We, according to this list, we don't, we don't prostitute ourselves. We don't worship idols. We don't practice homosexuality. We're not greedy. We're, all, we're not abusive. You know why? Not so we can be saved. We don't do any of that stuff because we are saved. We're in relationship with Jesus. And so the truth is, is that most of us would love to have our name included in the list found in Hebrews. We want to be enshrined because of the holiness and the great level of faith. But our problem is, is we want their highlight reel. 
without their holiness. We don't want to live by the list. We don't want, to, we don't want the tight relationship. We just want to be on the Listen, I'm telling you this, this morning that holiness can only be found way, one way through Jesus. And then when we get into relationship with him, it causes us not to want to do these other things so that we will represent or represent him well to the people around us. The reason that some people around you don't want the Jesus that you have is because you're no different than they are. And the standard we're striving for is not perfection. It's holiness. Set apart. Do you know the standard? Do you even have any concept of what the standard we're called to is? Then if not, you need to read it for yourself. Are you trying to live up to a standard without a relationship? That's legalism. Or have you become comfortable with what the world says is different? That's license. The middle ground is this. I develop a relationship with Jesus and I want to represent him so well so that other people will see him and know that I've been with him that now I go read the standard for myself and I go, you know what, Jesus? I would really like to do some of these things, but I wouldn't dare because then they would think that you're okay with that. And it's quiet up in here right now. The command is this. Be holy because I'm holy. It's a direct order and a mandate that if we are going to land in the hall of fame of faith, we must live holy. That's not about makeup. That's not about hymn lines. That's not about license to do anything you want to do and say, this is my truth and this is my standard. There is a definite standard we live by, but it is first a relationship with Jesus that results in us living differently. So I want to ask you a question, a very difficult question this morning, then I'm going to get out of your way. Other than coming to church on a Sunday morning after you lost an hour of sleep, what makes you any different than the neighbors that live next to you? Other than wearing a passion t-shirt, can I go there? Other than serving on a Sunday morning, what makes you any different than the people that you work with all week long? And if the answer is nothing, then you're not holy. And if the answer is they can't see Jesus when they talk to you or hear Jesus when they talk to you, then you're missing the point. So, Father, this morning my prayer is simply this, that we would adjust our standard and we would take it away from this idea that society standards matter. They don't. They don't. I pray that you would realign our hearts. I pray that in the name of Jesus you would help us to, to, to go and discover the standard for ourselves. We would get hungry for the knowledge of the standard and we would begin to dig it out for ourselves and we wouldn't believe any other voice other than the voice of the black and white scripture that you've given us as the, the rule book to play by. I pray that in the name of Jesus we would adjust our, our standards and what we see as acceptable and what we see as sin only by what is in your word and by the voice of your spirit in our heart 
And Father, I pray that we would learn how as a body and as, in, as individuals to represent, to represent Jesus so well that when people see us, they see Jesus. And, and we would be so different that people would want what we have. We wouldn't be freaky and we wouldn't be weird and we wouldn't walk, run around shouting about rules and regulations. We would be able to show you that we're in relationship with you so well, so close, that when they see us, they go, they've been with him. They're different. I can't put my finger on it, but they're different. And Father, I pray that as we live that way, what would take place is they would see you. And they would want what we have. So God, I pray that this week we would be very honest with ourselves as we ask ourselves this question. Am I really any different? Am I really any different than the people around me? I ask you to accomplish this as we strive to be set apart and represent you well in Jesus' name. Let me give you one example and then, I, and then I'm going to stop. I, I, um, I ran into uh, sports clips on um, Friday morning. And uh, this guy came in after me. He apparently knows the people, one of the ladies that cuts hair in there really well. He walks in and the first thing he does is he flips her off. And they laugh. They're kidding back and forth. I'm like, this is weird. He calls her by name. It's weird. As he's going, as he's going to his chair, she says, because she's cutting this guy's hair, she laughs after he flips her, flips her off and all that, and they're joking back and forth. And she's cutting her hair, and she's, she's playing with him, and he's sitting in another chair, and she says, is that Jesus calling my name? And he says, I can guarantee you it wasn't Jesus implicating that it insinuating it would be somebody else let me show you how this works how this holiness thing i think works so she's the one going to cut my hair he's sitting in the other chair and as i head to the chair i say to her her name's jill i said jill maybe jesus is calling your name she was like what that's our pastor church Maybe Jesus is calling your name today. She was taken back, and I got to start this conversation with her. I never told her that sleeping around is wrong. I never told her drinking's wrong. I didn't have to talk to her about language because I didn't use any. And I just tried to show her in my conversation as we talked about the church, and I got to invite her to come to church and come check us out. I got to just show her. I was trying to represent Jesus well to show her that I'm different than that guy. I'm totally different than that guy. And as we walk into situations in a barbershop, in a Starbucks, in your office cubicle, when you walk in, you can represent Jesus so well that you'll be set apart. And people will go, I got to check this thing out. That's holiness. That's holiness. I challenge you this week. To represent him so well that people see you as set apart. Come on, Kaylee. I'll keep preaching. Yes, thank you so much. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.